uh, I question whether higher rates are going to uh, be effective in tackling that side of the inflation. But certainly, uh, we've uh, 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 caused these problems on our own by massive stimulus uh, uh, coming from COVID uh, and uh, overly uh, easy monetary policy. And central banks have been too uh, slow to move. So uh, I have to say that a lot of this is self-inflicted, and I'm not sure whether uh, we can achieve a soft landing uh, to uh, come out of it uh, at least during this cycle. Very good points. Thank you very much, Peter. That's Peter Kim, Managing Director and Investment Strategist at KB Securities in Seoul. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this week. Uh, In Australia, first of all, the ASX 200 is down about a third of a percent. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is up a quarter of a percent. The Cosby is rallying today. It's up uh, almost one percent now, shortly after the open. Looks like it's going to be a flat open for the Hang Seng in just under an hour's time. Thank you very much for listening this week. Do have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday morning at nine o'clock. Back chats coming up after the news with Janice Wong and James Ockenden. The weather forecast, once again, going to be very hot during the day. Maximum temperature of around 34 degrees. That very hot weather warning is in force. Uh, and It's going to be mainly fine and very hot in the next couple of days as well. Sunny periods and one or two showers early to midweek next week. Temperature right now, 29 degrees, 81% relative humidity. Time's 8.31. Here's Todd Harding with the Half Hour News. Incoming Chief Secretary Eric Chan and Constitutional and Mainland Affairs Minister Eric Tsang have tested positive for COVID-19, as Aaron Tam reports. Eric Chan last went to work on Monday, while Eric Tsang last worked on Wednesday. The pair are currently isolating. Mr. Chan, who's currently the head of the chief executive's office, has been under quarantine since Tuesday because his wife came down with the coronavirus earlier. Mr. Tsung's wife, Customs Chief Louise Ho, has tested negative, but she's now undergoing quarantine because she's considered a close contact. The government said the two officials' offices will conduct thorough cleaning and disinfection. Officials say Mr. Chan last had a brief meeting with Chief Executive Carrie Lam on Monday, but she's not considered a close contact and has since tested negative. Power company CLP has apologised to residents of some 13,000 homes in Yunlong that briefly lost electricity last night. The company says the supply was unstable after Tuesday's cable bridge fire that plunged large swathes of the Western New Territories into darkness. About half the homes had power restored in 10 minutes last night, the rest within half an hour. This resident was cooking dinner when the lights went out. I was just cooking, washing vegetables, and all of a sudden, there was a pop sound, and then the whole flat went dark. I was quite scared. Later, after I calmed myself, because I was home alone, along with my dog, I turned on the torch on my phone to look for candles and to see if the lights were on elsewhere in the estate. When I discovered the entire estate was blacked out, I wasn't as scared anymore, because it wasn't only my flat. It took around 20 minutes for the power to come back. 
President Volodymyr Zelensky has welcomed the European Union's decision to make Ukraine an official candidate for membership as an historic moment and a victory for his embattled nation. The process has moved at record speed since Ukraine applied to join just days after the Russian assault. Neighbouring Moldova has also been given candidate status. Georgia has been told it must do more before becoming a candidate. The president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, said the development sent a strong signal. I'm deeply convinced that our decision that we have taken today strengthens us all. It strengthens Ukraine, Moldova and Georgia in the face of Russian aggression. And it strengthens the European Union because it shows once again to the world that the European Union is united and strong in the face of external threats. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and my co-host today is James Ockenden. Good morning, James. Good morning, Janice. On today's program, we're talking about changes to Hong Kong's university entrance exam. Students who take the Hong Kong Diploma of Secondary Education Examination, or HKDSE, will be allowed to take Korean language exams from 2025 because of what the Hong Kong Examination Authority says is an increase in young people's interest in the language. But the existing Hindi and Urdu examinations will no longer be offered. An ethnic minority group has hit out at the move, saying it denies some students the chance to use their native language to secure a spot at a university. So what do you think? Is it sensible to keep up with the times? What impact will it have on the chance of ethnic minority students getting a place in university? After 9.15am, we'll speak to New People's Party Chairwoman Regina Ip on her upcoming role as the Executive Council convener. Let us know what you think. You can share your questions or comments on our Facebook page, Backchat at RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us. And our number is 23388266. Now to uh, kick off our discussion, we're joined in the studio by Mervyn Chung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group, and uh, Dr. Chang Koi Pui, the principal of Delia Memorial School, Glee Path. We will also be hearing from a Form 5 student, Sahil, who is taking his DSE Urdu exam next year. Good morning to the both of you and uh, welcome to Backchat. Um, uh, let's start with you, Mr. Chung. First of all, what do you make of the changes? Uh, well, in fact, uh, uh, this kind of examination uh, arrangement has uh, uh, has been going on since uh, since. The, uh, the inauguration of the uh, uh, the new syllabus uh, DSC examination in uh, 2012, and uh, the reason why it's, it's going to be scrapped is, is uh, because the XKEA uh, says that um, there will be no uh, you know official body providing uh, the kind of language test for the uh, uh, for uh, for for the the so-called other language uh, uh, concerned, that is the Hindi and, and also the Udo. And, well, <clears throat> I'm not entirely for this move um, for some reasons. First, in terms of the candidature, Hindi, so, uh, uh, in, for instance, in the latest sitting, uh, that is November 2021, Hindi has got uh, 13 uh, candidates. 
and then Udo forty. So all together, there's a fifty-three, and then the, uh, French forty, German eight, Spanish eighteen. So by comparison, um, these two ethnic minority lan- uh, languages do not fare you know any and any less uh, well than uh, you know compared to uh, some of the western languages and of course uh, you know uh, among the uh, the six special languages in in question the biggest uh, uh, intake uh, in terms of the dse examination is japanese uh, uh, tallying 390 now one thing is that um it it may be true that uh, the korean language is getting more popularity in Hong Kong. But we, we must consider that this is something like uh, more or less a Hopi language. But then for the uh, for Hindu and Udo, they are spoken and also used by people, by young, young people who are actually residents in Hong Kong. So we have uh, ethnic minority students coming to uh, an approximate total of over 20,000 in Hong Kong. So this is quite a sizable uh, portion of our student population. So we need to take, uh, take care of the interest, their day, uh, you know, daily life lease, as well as their, uh, I think, uh, their ongoing, the kind of ongoing uh, life in Hong Kong. Just to ask a, perhaps a stupid question, but these, these language exams, these are not, these are elected subjects. These are not the language in which the exam is actually set. Yeah. So these are topics that uh, students can choose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it seems like quite a small number are taking all of those languages. I mean, I'm surprised how, how low the number is for the European languages too. Are, are people just not interested in languages at that age? Uh, there may be one reason. Uh, but then I, 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 I would imagine that uh, over the years, uh, even as an educator, I have uh, seen little publicity of, uh, of this, uh, this several uh, special languages in, in, our, in, in our DSE setting. So uh, I think it all depends on how, whether or not uh, such languages can be put to greater use in Hong Kong through, uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, Good enough uh, promotion and also publicity, and uh, and and more more lively teaching, for instance. All right, so let's uh, bring in Dr. Chan. Good morning, Dr. Chan. Good morning. Um, yes. What what is your view of the changes? I uh, actually uh, support uh, uh, Mr. Zhang's uh, uh, argument that the uh, offering of uh, Urdu and Hindi uh, should be considered, right? Even though. Uh, it's mentioned that right uh, in the uh, document that the, the, the reason behind right, is that they could not identify any suitable uh, alternative examinations available. But uh, after a brief search right, for uh, some sort of uh, examination related to Urdu and Hindi, actually there are quite a number of them, right? Not necessarily from uh, uh, Britain, Right, which is the original one uh, being offered now, uh, but some of them right, can be found in uh, actually uh, India uh, itself, and some even overseas uh, examination authority, like uh, from the states. So there should be something available out there. 
All right. Uh, now, before we uh, continue with our discussion, um, let's hear from Sahil, a uh, Form 5 student who will be taking his Urdu DSE exam next year. He's uh, unable to join our discussion this morning because uh, he's at school, but I, I did manage to get his reaction to the changes. Um, let's have a listen. I was really sad because even though it's not related to me, even though I next year I will be having Urdu exam and I will be graduating, but I was worried about the future generation, the upcoming students, students who will be having exams in 2025 and afterwards. I was worried about them because this Urdu exam it has really importance in our hearts and our academics also as well. Uh, first is it connects us back to our culture. It connects us back to our our Pakistan. It lets us know more about Pakistan culture. And second is it helps us ethnic minorities from Pakistan to get into university, get into local university of Hong Kong. It gives us bonus marks so the impact it will have on ethnic minorities is of course negative they won't be able to get into university local university because they might not have enough marks from other electives so if they had Urdu exam then it would be really bonus for them so they would be able to get into university easily and I think it's unfair because we as ethnic minority we need to get more into society we need to like have higher education level and to attain that level we need to get into university and if we don't have Urdu exam then we might not be able to enter local university Yes, and I think it's unfair the decision and the decision is really unfair. Dr. Chan, do you share yeah. some of the concerns expressed by Sahil there? Um, uh, certainly, right, uh, if we provide uh, the uh, Urdu and Hindi for students uh, who uh, actually like to, uh, having background like uh, Sahil, uh, it would be a bonus for them, right? And also, uh, there's a way to show their talents uh, in the language. Uh, to answer James' uh, concern uh, about the number of students uh, taking the uh, uh, other languages in uh, in Hong Kong nowadays, right? Uh, basically, there, uh, if you can uh, try to look into the requirement uh, for uh, candidates uh, of entering their subjects into the report, right? Actually, the uh, the benchmark there is really quite high. Right? So I'm trying to say. Uh, for example, uh, under the new uh, initiative that, uh, uh, for example, um, uh, for the admission to the uh, university of respective countries, right, uh, say like uh, Japanese, right, their requirement uh, in Japan, right, to enter Japanese universities is N2. But for uh, the Hong Kong situation, if students uh, uh, performance right is below N3, then the report will not show the, the results. So, so it means right, actually it's really quite high. So I don't think it's an easy uh, kind of uh, 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 bonus 
or discretion, right, for students taking languages, right? So the benchmark there should be considered. So that's why uh, not, uh, I, I would say, right, the requirement actually uh, uh, limited number of students, right, who might be interested in the language. Um, Dr. Chan, I'm actually looking at uh, examination authority figures on the number of candidates uh, taking right. different language subjects for DSE. And, and of course, um, um, there aren't that many taking, for example, Urdu when you compare it to other languages such as Japanese or French, but the numbers have been growing over the past decade. And now from uh, it's been growing from just uh, five candidates 10 years ago to uh, 42 this year. Um, Dr. Chan, what, what sort of impact do you think of removing Hindi and Urdu exams will have on ethnic minority students here um, in terms of their chance of getting into university? Uh if you ask me, right, uh, the the impact will not be that uh, significant, right? Because uh, as you as you mentioned, right, the number there is not actually that high, but uh, it's not really about the number, right, of people being affected, right? Uh, I would say the those who newly arrived children will be more uh, will be mostly affected, but. Uh, uh, it is not actually the number being affected, but as uh, Sakim mentioned uh, a moment ago, right? It is the uh, we put ourselves in the situation that uh, uh, showing to students that uh, the situation is unfair, right? That's the that's the main issue we are talking about. So Hill mentioned that it was a sort of bonus uh, for for the Urdu uh, speakers, but it's it's not an easy option still, though, is it? I mean, I'm native English. I'm not sure I could get an A in the English DSE just because I'm English speaking. Right, Mr. Chang, what do you think of uh, what uh, Dr. Chan just said? I mean, do you think it will affect? Uh, I mean, do you think the impact will be a very very uh, mild? Uh, relatively mild, but uh, we, I think uh, on this issue, our consideration is not uh, just um, uh, limited to, to the impact uh, f uh, on entering universities for the uh, ethnic minority students. Now, uh, we need to consider the direction and also the emphasis of Hong Kong's development now and in the future. We all the time stress that we are an international city, and at the same time, we have an inclusive environment. And since ethnic minority uh, students, uh, many of them are born in Hong Kong, and they they already have uh, taken Hong Kong as the something like their permanent place of uh, residence. So I think their culture, their language, should also be be respected. If we try to uh, do some kind of intervention like uh, what what the HAEA is now pursuing. I think uh, that that would be yes. As a, as a student, as just mentioned, uh, very unfair to them. Not only in terms of their academic studies, but also in terms of their their you know cultural identity, and also their you know, uh, in terms of uh, what what they they need to respect and also preserve. In, in, while we are seeing Hong Kong. Yeah, and there's a concern that the examination authority is going with the sort of trendy. So K-pop is very trendy and Bollywood may be less trendy among young people. So they're sort of going in that direction. I mean, should we be setting exams along those lines? Yeah, uh, after all, I think uh, the preservation of the culture, not their identity and anything that, uh, that would... Uh, keep themselves happy while uh, living and, and uh, studying or working in Hong Kong should be done. 
if, if this is uh, possible. The grassroots issue here is a you know ethnic minority, but also grassroots issue. And you've raised the issue of um, evening schools, for example, and they're not really funded uh, by the government anymore. And so it's very hard for grassroots to get onto that sort of DSE status, as it were. It, does does this make it even harder? Do we know how many adult students are studying Urdu and, and Hindi? Uh, at the moment, uh, not too many. Once again, uh, this has much to do with the um, with the policy and also the, uh, the the kind of promotion uh, undertaken by the government. I have been uh, uh, pushing for the scenario where um, ethnic minority adults can also uh, make use of the evening time to go for some kind of a qualification-oriented uh, study, that is the actually uh, uh, D- uh, uh, DSE uh, curriculum. Because when they came to Hong Kong, when they were still in their teens or even uh, younger, they might miss uh, chances of uh, doing a, a formal basic education in Hong Kong. So they, they might start to work quite early in, 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 in life. And when they you know, uh, grow up, they will find that their education level might not uh, equip them uh, with sufficient uh, you know, conditions for making uh, a relatively more decent life in the future. So I think some kind of schooling should be provided to them. So that's why I, I suggest uh, e- the, e- the uh, evening mode of adult education for them. Do we know why uh, Cambridge International is, which is the exam uh, setter, I suppose you would say, I don't know what the technical term is, but do we know why they are discontinuing uh, Hindi and Japanese and Urdu? No, no, no t- detailed explanation, except that um, they have done t- a very comprehensive review of the education, uh, of the language assessment services that, uh, that uh, Cambridge International uh, uh, has provided. And they, they just wanted to... Um, to stop uh, uh, providing further uh, th- this kind of uh, service and want the, the mode to be changed or, uh, uh, in terms of the evaluation on, on the part of HKEAA. Do you think it's a commercial decision? Yeah, I guess so. At least, uh, uh, you know, if not entirely a commercial, at least uh, self-funded. So uh, I think uh, uh, the ball is now in the hands of the HKEAA and the HKEAA would need to Consider very, uh, you know, very swiftly on an alternative mode of assessment that would keep the uh, the the the, the lang- language evaluation continuing. All right, uh, I have an email here from um, a listener. It says uh, we should keep the Urdu language. I have no direct connection to the Urdu language, but culturally and historically it is a very important language. It has an extremely rich collection of poetry, literature in general, music, etc. It should be uh, nourished into young children, so all this rich collection can be preserved and kept alive for future generations. Um, Your thoughts on that, maybe uh, Dr. Chan? Um I feel the same way, right? Uh, as mentioned by Mr. Zhang a moment ago, right? The preservation of the... Uh, uh, it's not only the preservation of the language, right? It's how much we treasure. Uh, it's the attitude right, that matters, right? Because how much we treasure uh, our neighborhood, right? And actually, it echoes uh, Chairman Xi's uh, initiative, uh, Belt and Road uh, initiative, right? Uh, Talking about Hindi, right, which is a, a, a very common language, 
of our neighbors, right? Uh, uh, it shows actually how much we really want to communicate with them. And uh, so it's kind of uh, 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 intention uh, that we show. Uh, under policy, I, th- I don't think it's a nice one. And uh, Dr. Chan, I just want to get your response to uh, um, the, the reason given by the Examinations and Assessment Authority for removing Hindi and Urdu subjects from uh, DSE. Um, of course, uh, Mr. Chung talked about it already, and, then, and on its press release, it actually says it's because uh, there is uh, no suitable examinations that have been identified so far for Hindi and Urdu. And uh, like Mr. Chung said, it's, uh, it seems like it's uh, mainly because uh, Cambridge International that offers the actual examinations uh, has decided to cease offering AS-level Japanese and Hindi examinations uh, from 2024 onwards. But it actually didn't explain why the Urdu exam will also be scrapped. Um, yeah, Dr. Chan, what, what do you think of this explanation? As I, as I mentioned earlier, right, uh, finding, finding alternative for uh, both examinations uh, could be there somewhere. Right? It's, it's not only uh, uh, the uh, official uh, uh, written kind of explanation right uh, right there right whether there is uh, no suitable examination uh, could be identified at the moment right it's the determination to 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 offer uh, uh, an alternative one right this is the this, this is the situation. And I just want to make it clear that uh, we did try to invite someone from the uh, Hong Kong Examinations and Assessment Authority to join our discussion today, but uh, unfortunately no one was available. Um, they did give uh, us a written reply on some of our questions, but it's uh, quite similar for w- what, they, uh, what they have to say already. It is already in the press release, and uh, I'll probably read a part of it out later in the program. Um, Mr. Chung, what, what other alternatives uh, could there be? I think uh, one run uh, ready channel might be for the XAEA to to liaise and collaborate with the local universities because uh, all of them do have a lang- uh, you know, very sophisticated language center. So I think some kind of co- co- collaboration can can can, can restruct between the higher education sector and also the XAEA. Because uh, even if uh, you know, some kind of specialist manpower is to be engaged, the universities, especially the public universities, are you know very very solid position to do so. So why not why not try that? So make our own exam. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. that's I think the, the long term solution. Dr. Chan, what do you think of that uh, liaising with uh, local universities? Is that a good idea? Yeah, it's a brilliant idea, actually, not only for other languages like uh, Urdu, Hindi, actually, and, and we should also tailor make our own uh, Chinese uh, language examination for uh, non-Chinese speakers. Right. Yeah. Okay. And now one of the, one of the issues uh, talking about language and the Education Bureau is how hard it is to find information in non-English or non-Chinese, specifically non-Chinese. Um, do you think, Mr. Chung, there should be more languages on, for example, the EDB website about things like kindergartens? There's no Urdu or, or Hindi language uh, information there, is there? Yeah, that's I, I think uh, uh, quite 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 deficient uh, in in uh, in our local system uh, at least for the time being. Uh, we we claim ourselves to be an international city, and uh, in terms of educational provision, um, this kind of uh, facilities, uh, learning facilities, and also the uh, uh, facility in 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 having student uh, students from various backgrounds to to learn to more and better. 
uh, that would that would need to be uh, uh, specified and also provided. Mm. So uh, I, I do hope that we can live up to expectations that uh, we can fare quite well as an international city, uh, both in education and also. Uh, of course, in our economy and also in, in our society. Yeah, yeah. Going back to the university idea, do you think we're, I mean, obviously we're well-placed to do that, but could that be something we could then export as, a, as an exam to other, to regionally across Asia? Yeah, uh, this is a, what, what the uh, HAEA uh, has been trying to do. That is, make Hong Kong has been taken as a hub for quite a, quite a number of initiatives and, 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 and uh, endeavours. Uh, examination assessment is one of them. So, uh, well, if we embark on this initiative and it uh, grows and, 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 and prospers and become better and better, I think Hong Kong can become a hub uh, of a, you know, a test, a language test, not just for Hong Kong, uh, for, say, the mainland mm. and also uh, Southeast Asia as well. Okay. I mean, Dr. Chan, what would you look for in an examination? Uh, if one was to be developed, how would you ensure that it was fair, uh, not too easy? How does it compare to other subjects, for example? What, what are the main issues? I think the main issue is uh, how we uh, treasure uh, the, uh, uh, the importance of uh, the minorities in Hong Kong. And not only uh, the ethnic minority we are talking about, but... Uh, uh, even for uh, German, French, uh, Japanese, right? Because I mentioned that uh, 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 you, also, you, you have also mentioned about the, the small number of participants in uh, in uh, those examinations. I, All right, I, I, uh, Dr. Chan, yeah. un- unfortunately we're out of time. We have okay. to uh, go to uh, Sorry, take a yeah. short break for a news summary. Okay. But thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Dr. Chan Kui, the principal of Delia Memorial School, Glee Pass. And uh, Mr. Chan, we can continue our discussion right after the news. And uh, just a reminder, after 9.15, we'll be speaking to New People's Party Chairwoman Regina Ip on her upcoming role as convener of Exco. And uh, a quick look at the weather. It will be fine, very hot during the day. The maximum temperature will be around 34 degrees. And uh, right now, the temperature is uh, 29 degrees and the relative humidity is 77%. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Friday morning with James Ockenden and me, Janice Wong. Let's return to our discussion on changes to Hong Kong's university entrance exam. For those of you just joining us now, basically students who take the Hong Kong Diploma of Secondary Education Examination, or HKDSE, will be allowed to take Korean language exams from 2025. But the existing Hindi and Urdu exams will no longer be offered. Now, before I go to our guests, remember you can contact us with your questions or comments. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 233-88266. And our Facebook page is backchat on RTHK Radio. Still with us in the studio is Mervyn Chung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group. And joining us now on the line is John Jae, the executive director of Hong Kong Unison. Mr Jae? Uh, good morning. Good morning to you and uh, thanks for joining us on Backchat. So um, what do you make of the changes? Uh, I, I think the changes is a major disappointment because uh, what they're doing is literally uh, dropping Hindi and Guru languages so that... Uh, uh, I think minority students in Hong Kong uh, actually have uh, less choices and uh, 
they're being denied to use their uh, language competence uh, and have to select uh, other subjects. Now, earlier in the program, we heard from a Form 5 uh, Pakistani student, Sahil, who's uh, taking the DSE Urdu exam next year. And uh, he, he told us that being able to take the Urdu exam is not just about making it easier for them to get into university. It's also a way for the ethnic minorities living in Hong Kong to uh, learn about their own culture. Do you share this view? Uh, I think it's a kind of respect because we're Hong Kong is a multicultural society and we should be more accommodating and uh, showing more respect for different cultures. But uh, if in public exams we're dropping some languages, then uh, we are ignoring this uh, important thing and and uh, showing to the world that, well, perhaps we're not that embracing after all. And I don't think that's a, a good message to, uh, to others. And uh, the student uh, we heard from earlier, he, he also believes the decision is uh, unfair for students who uh, won't be able to take Urdu exams starting in 2025 uh, because uh, not being able to take the exam would mean it would be more difficult for the uh, ethnic minorities to get a uh, higher education and uh, it would make it more difficult for them to uh, um, better integrate into society. Do you agree that uh, going to university is important for ethnic minorities to uh, better integrate into a society? I, I think education is more or less the only uh, medium that would help them to, uh, you know, for upward mobility. And if they cannot do well and if they cannot uh, get into university, they, they are somewhat uh, disadvantaged. So um, what uh, the education authority is doing now is that they're, they're robbing away what ethnic minority students are good at, that's their, their own languages, and, and yet, uh, you know, that kind of ability would not be counted as the uh, university entrance requirement. So uh, I think it's, uh, it's a drawback. Yeah, what, what's uh, Hong Kong Unison actually doing about this? Are you, uh, are you having any liaison with the government or with the examination authority about this? Uh, I, I think we should try to uh, lobby them and see if uh, they would change their mind. The, the uh, original thinking, I, I know that, that, that uh, what they're doing is that because Cambridge International, the uh, authority offering the, the uh, examinations is actually dropping those courses. So what Hong Kong authorities should be doing is, is to reconsider and see if there's any other alternatives so that uh, ethnic minority students actually have more choices rather than less choices. Right. And, and like I mentioned earlier in the program, uh, we did try to invite someone from the uh, Hong Kong Examinations and Assessment Authority to uh, join our discussion today, but unfortunately no one could make it. Um, but we did get a written response to some of our questions, and uh, one of them is about concerns expressed over the impact of the changes to the um, DSE on ethnic minority students. And uh, in a written reply, the authority said it had contacted the Consulate Generals of India and Pakistan to uh, see if there are any official cultural for organizations in Hong Kong that can uh, administer official language examinations linking to national standards for Hindi and Urdu. Um, but they said they didn't receive any recommendations. And uh, the examinations authorities said it will continue to communicate with the related consulate generals to explain other possible alternatives. So, Mr. Jai, do you know if there are other possible alternatives? I, I think it's logical to find a solution because they cannot just say that because Cambridge International is offering, then we are not offering in Hong Kong also. So it, it doesn't make much sense because we're talking about education. We're not talking about a commodity, you know, you sell or buy it. 
we're talking uh, about a very important issue, that's the future of ethnic minorities in Hong Kong. So uh, I'm sure uh, the government as well as the educational authorities, they should, exam authorities, they, they should be thinking and rather just accept, accepting what uh, Cambridge University is doing and uh, doing, doing nothing, literally, uh, just saying that, well, you know, we're going to drop those, uh, those uh, language uh, examinations. And, and I don't think it's, uh, it's a fair deal for uh, ethnic minorities in Hong Kong. And earlier in our discussion, Mr. Chair, um, Mr. Chung here in the studio, he, he suggested that maybe we should uh, liaise with uh, local universities to come up with uh, our own Urdu or Hindi examination. What do you think of that idea? Well, I think it's a, it's a good idea to explore uh, more opportunities rather than uh, accepting the reality. And uh, so uh, it's, it's important to really uh, think of alternatives and not just uh, saying that we're, we're not offering, period, that's it. So uh, I, it's too pessimistic an approach. And uh, given the fact that the examination authorities is the only body dealing with the important examinations in Hong Kong, so they, they must think a way out rather than uh, just uh, limiting uh, opportunities for others. How can, uh, how can the government here repair the PR damage? Because presumably there's uh, you know, tens of thousands of Hindi and Urdu speakers that hear the news yesterday or today and, and are very disappointed and feel like the government doesn't respect their culture. Uh, obviously, if they're going to go back, they need to do it very carefully. How do you think this can be repaired? And do you think there could be some community liaison going on here? Well, hopefully there, there would be some uh, community liaison going on because uh, it's really uh, not good uh, public relation. And uh, I, I think um, ethnic minority students would be so disappointed because we are taking away their advantage here and replacing with uh, some other languages that, that, that they're not really comfortable uh, you know, dealing with. So um, they, they, they are at the short end of the stick and uh, I'm afraid they they may feel uh, so angry and frustrated. Mr. Chung, what's your, what's your response to uh, what uh, Mr. Jia just said? Yeah, um, I, I agree with, uh, with Mr. Uh, uh, Dr. Jia. Um, basically, we, we need to, uh, to respect uh, the ethnic minorities' uh, culture, their identity, and also uh, their, their, their way of life in Hong Kong. And uh, education, uh, language, all these are essentials. In 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 in, uh, in in their uh, continuing uh, uh, life in uh, uh, living in Hong Kong, so um, yes, uh, the the XKEA is too passive. Oh, the um, Cambridge International has stopped the service, so we 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 stop the subject. XKEA is supposed to be uh, on one hand. Uh, 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 an authority in examination assessment. On the other hand, it should think of ways of uh, making of making the existing arrangements better, and also to try to come up with some new new alternatives for things that have become outdated or that that have not been provided. So, uh, in this spirit, uh, I, I don't think the HJEA can put a full stop at this point for uh, for the whole issue. Mm. All right, I have an email here and uh, from our listener, and uh, our listener says, um, Hong Kong is an international city, and if the people in the workforce can be fluent in Hindi and Urdu, it would be an added advantage for those in finance and hospitality industries. Um, Mr. Jai, 
Stuart? Yeah, well, def- definitely I, I agree with that point because uh, we should be promoting languages rather than uh, uh, doing nothing or, or not uh, putting the focus right. I, I think we should be doing more to encourage people, uh, you know, competence in, in different languages, uh, not just Hindu or, or, or you know, Hindi and other languages, but, but uh, the, the thing is we can promote Chinese. Now they're saying Korean and and uh, I'm sure they, 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 they have to come up with some solid justification for dropping uh, languages and, and then uh, replace it with uh, some, something else. So you're not happy with the justification they've given? Oh, I, I, I don't mind they have more languages. Hmm. But I do mind if they cut uh, you know, the languages which uh, many people in Hong Kong are, are familiar with. Yeah. Now, now just quickly, uh, at the same time, the Examination Authority also announced a change, which is that students in the mainland can now take DSE um, I think without coming to Hong Kong, is that correct, Mr. Chong? Yes, that's that's right. That's a that's announced uh, announced by the HKA yesterday. That is, um, many schools have been approved by by uh, by the main authorities uh, are allowed are allowed it to uh, to run the DSE examination uh, in in their campuses uh, for for uh, for for students have recruited. Uh, doing the uh, DSE curriculum on, on the mainland. So presumably that's going to add pressure to university places even more for ethnic minorities if there's mainland students taking you know, DSE in their own language in uh, you know Tonghua exam, for example? Yeah, but uh, given the, um, the, um, the proper relationship between Hong Kong and, and, uh, and, and this motherland, uh, this kind of arrangement especially in the spirit of uh, uh, you know more and more inclusiveness on uh, across the border on 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 various major things uh this can be justified uh what what uh we need to do on on a part of the government is that um there should be uh, uh you know for a dse exa- uh, uh, dse examination uh, administration to uh guarantee the kind of uh, uh Confidentiality in treating the examination papers, and in in uh, in and also a proper conduct of invigilating uh, in, uh, for the examination. So uh, all this would need to uh, to be done. Interesting. So you think invigilation is uh, is a concern if it's done in the mainland? Yeah, yeah, that's right. But one thing is that uh, many of the teachers on the mainland teaching uh, the DSE curriculum are from Hong Kong. Some of them have retired. Some of them want to, to change the work environment. So they're quite familiar with the Hong Kong exam, a public examination system. But then the, the, the presiding mediator should be sent from, uh, from Hong Kong full HAEA. All right, uh, Mr. Cheung, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us uh, this morning. That's uh, Mervyn Cheung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group. Many thanks also to John Jae, the executive director of Hong Kong Unison. And of course, uh, to Sahil, a a Form 5 student who uh, we spoke to earlier. It's now 15 minutes past nine, and it's time for us to move on to our final topic this week. And that's on the appointment of New People's Party chairwoman Regina Ip as the new convener of the executive council. Council, and she joins us now on the line. Good morning, Mrs. Ip. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program, and uh, congratulations on your new role. Um, Thank you. There have been uh, several different exco conveners before you, such as uh, Lam Wun Kwong and Si Wai Leung, and of course uh, Bernard Chan, who you're replacing. How will your leadership style differ from theirs? 
um, the the role of the uh, convener basically hasn't changed. Uh, maybe not just the convener, all the members will need to fund up more for government in explaining controversial policies. And there are members with different expertise in the new council who can share the workload. And uh, you have been an executive council member since uh, 2012. And uh, is there anything uh, that needs to be changed when it comes to the operation of the council? I know you just mentioned that everything will stay the same. But uh, in your view, do you think anything needs to be changed? Uh, the, in the, during the current administration, Mrs. Lam actually uh, assigned us to different policy groups so that we could um, initiate some policy discussion with the officials. Uh, not just read at, read papers on the agenda, sometimes only tabled. But because I think the government became more and more busy, you know, and um, had to deal with the, the COVID fights at very short notice, sometimes we get we got the papers pretty late, you know. So in future, I think my colleagues will probably uh, want to ask the government um, to provide papers earlier or initiate some topics for discussion before the ideas are actually iron cast by the officials. This is often a criticism of government is they make their mind up and then go and sell it to the public. I mean, that, that seems to have been the role of Exco. Is that, so do you think that could change? Uh, we hope we could put, uh, we could make some, some more input in the for policy formulation stage. Uh, and in future, will members take a bigger role in explaining government policies? I think so. Depending on the expertise of individual members, I think they will be encouraged to speak up more in defense of Hong Kong, to explain complicated policies, and to respond to uh, public uh, queries. It seems a bit backwards to me. The, I thought the Exco was supposed to be advising the CE based on input from what from the public or from ministers, but it sounds like it's more like a, a PR role uh, promoting what the government has decided. Is that is that fair to say? Uh, not really. If you look at the basic law, uh, the, the the arrangement basic law is based on the system before nineteen ninety seven. Hmm. Um, the executive, the chief executive in council as a whole, has a lot of statutory powers mm -hmm. under different ordinances. A lot of things like taxi fare increase, you know, a lot of the transport fares increase have to be decided by CE in council. Yeah. So collectively, we have a lot of responsibility, statutory responsibility. But individually, we are advisors to the chief executive. Right. And uh, Mrs. Zip, you will be the first female convener of uh, the Executive Council and uh, also the uh, first with uh, political affiliation. Do you think your connection with the uh, New People's Party would be an asset or a burden to, to your role? Uh, you can see that over the years, representation of uh, political parties in Exco has been rising because um, Lechco's support is crucial to the success of the government's agenda. The government has so many funding legislative approval, uh, proposals that need to be approved by LegCo. So I think appointing more LegCo members with or without uh, party background to Exco is good for government. But, but are you worried about uh, public perception when it comes to your connection with a new people's party? I mean, after all, you are the chairwoman of the party. Well, the job of an um, ex member, particularly the convener, is to 
give advice to the CE uh, on the give our best advice to the CE on the basis of my individual assessment and analysis. I mean, my role is not to advocate NPP policies in Exco, so I, I don't think there should be undue worry. Well, obviously, your uh, your input will will be heavily influenced by your own views, which are the views of the of the People's Party. Surely, I mean, it, there needs to be a further separation, don't you think? Um, our rules only require declaration of pecuniary interest. Yeah. Uh, all political representatives in Lechko speak based on their political convictions. Yeah. And the chief executive understands that. You know, all they need to do is to abide by confidentiality and to be collectively responsible once a decision has been taken. Yeah. You know, some parties are opposed to clamping down on uh, smoke up burn cigarettes or uh, agreeing to MPF offsetting. The party may have different views, but the member from the party in Exco is bound to support government. Yeah, your constituents, I mean, you'll you remain as, as a lawmaker, uh, presumably, and your constituents in, in Hong Kong Island, do you think they're, they're getting a better deal now? They're getting better representation? They're getting the ear of the CE? Uh, I think I will leave them to judge, you know. Um, my constituents, you don't know, representative can um, agree to everything put up by the over 300,000 constituents in my constituency. You know, I mean, in, in terms of political science, what elected representatives have is an unbound mandate. And, you know, and this is what people call an unbound mandate. Again, after elected, we make our decision on the basis of our best judgment. And Mr. Zipa, I just want to get your view on, on a different issue. I'm sure you know that uh, Yunlong residents have reported power outages again last yeah. night uh, and just two days after the massive blackout caused by a cable bridge fire. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? A, a second power outage in two weeks and uh, how should the government follow up on this? I think the uh, government, uh, the government experts on power supplies, the director of electrical mechanical services uh, department, um, the CLP has got a report. I think the Fire Services Department and the EMSD should also com compile their own reports and report to government, to LegCo, to LegCo. Okay. Talking, and, and I just saw on your Twitter, you pointed out that uh, the new Secretary for Innovation uh, is actually someone who doesn't speak Cantonese. Uh, do you think that's an issue? And do you think people on the Exco, I mean, what, what sort of language will you be I, speaking? I put, I put that up that tweet because I noticed some reporters querying him for not speaking Cantonese. But look, we, it, before 1997, we had lots of British officials who didn't speak a word of Cantonese. One of them was famous for not eating Chinese food, but nobody dare question this. So why should they be questioning Dr. Uh, Professor Sun? Moreover, his portfolio is innovation and technology. Putonghua competence doesn't come into it. And actually, I think he understands Cantonese very well, except that he prefers to speak in Putonghua. Okay. Now, let's go back to you being the first uh, female convener. There's only three women, uh, non-official, uh, in, in Exco. Uh, do you think that's, that's not really very many, is it? Do you think they could do better? Well, I think we can do better. The government has done better in forming its ministerial team. I think we have six women in the uh, recently announced list, which is uh, the highest among the past uh, 
of five administrations. That is a good thing. Yes, but three, but sort of twenty percent women on Exco. It doesn't seem to be uh, very strong. I mean, do do you see that changing over the term? Um, more women are welcome, but in Exco, you all also need experience and the willingness to abide by confidentiality and collective responsibility. And uh, speaking of the ministerial team, um, uh, another issue coming up is that uh, the um, incoming Chief Secretary Eric Chan and uh, Constitutional Affairs Minister Eric Jung has uh, both tested positive for COVID. Um, are you worried that this would affect the handover celebration arrangements? I hope they will get well soon. Um, there are two points. First, whether they can attend the ceremony. Second, when they can discharge their duties. Um, I think these are matters. I, I better leave these matters to the experts, in the medical and health experts in government, uh, who are no doubt monitoring uh, their conditions. Do, do you think it's likely that the, their infections would affect any uh, possible visits by state leaders? Oh, I can't really speculate on that, you know. And I actually have an email here from a listener, Alonso, and uh, he just, um, I mean, like many people, like many listeners who've been uh, commenting uh, on Backchat recently, they, they're just concerned about the uh, uh, Hong Kong's continued restrictive COVID-related quarantine rules. Uh, he, he wants to know when it will be, will be eased. Do you think there's a chance that it will be eased very soon? I think it's under active review. You know, the new team, the chief executive wants to open up. Uh, Professor Lo Chong Mao said something. Um, I don't think they have come down to any firm decision yet, but they're moving in the direction of review and opening up. Okay. What's your role as convener? Is that what sort of power comes with that role, and and what sort of uh, policy ideas will you be pushing ahead, or you know, talking with uh, Mr. Lee about and trying to get on the agenda for the next term? Uh, the difference between the chief, the convener and the other members is the convener works much more closely with the chief executive than other members. You know. um, if I have ideas, if I spot areas where change is necessary, more radical change is necessary, I will discuss with him first. Yeah, but yeah. how often will you be meeting with uh, Mr. Lee then, do you think, is, uh, apart well, from the, uh, the I weekly? Haven't really I haven't really started my, my job yet. We right. will find out. We will find out. So, so have you spotted any areas that need to be changed yet? Well, I'm publicly spoken on the government's need for better PR and publicity machinery. Do you think that will help the government? Of course. Better PR? Know. I mean, it seems like uh, it needs to be doing a bit more fundamental work than just the sort of surface PR and, and communication in many areas. Fun Fundamental work like resolving the land and housing shortage problems, improving the, the, people's uh, living conditions, yeah. opening up the border, these are very important. Yeah. What about but Article 23? Will you, be, uh, will you be looking at that? as uh, d d That's obviously going ahead in John Lee's term. What, what's Exco's uh, role going to be with that? Uh, that is uh, primarily uh, Secretary for Security Chris Sun's, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Tang's uh, responsibility. Yeah. Uh, when he has prepared his bill, he will put it to Exco. Yeah. Okay. And, and what, what advice do you have for him when he when he has to uh, has to try to promote or or explain that to the public? My uh, my advice has always been avoid using overly technical language that only experts understand. 
there's a difference between information and messages. You need to make sure your messages are clear and can be ungrasped by the ordinary men in the street. And I have an email here from Mark. He says, um, fellow Exco member Ronnie Tong advocates that Exco should be more transparent. Does Mrs. Ip agree this could be done? Um, of course, we can be more transparent, but subject to the, the views of the chief executive. Okay. One of the issues that you know we've talked a lot about is things like uh, traffic and the the rise of the cars, especially up in the, your constituency. Um, it's just such a mess on Borat Road, Small World Christian K- Kindergarten. The parents there drive so badly and block the road. The new ESF school is opening there. You've talked about this quite a lot, but what can you actually do? And do you think, as an exco convener, you have more power in these sorts of issues to, to you know to make them wider or to actually solve these problems once and for all? I have had meetings with the uh, Transport and Highways Department. I've invited them to do site visits, you know, but I could not stop them from installing their favorite um, real-time travel signal system, uh, transporting that system, using that system, which was first applied in Thai time to Borat Road. Their hobby horse, you called it, I think. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Personally, I don't think that will help very much, you know. Right, but there's a uh, danger up there every day. I mean, yes. no one's looking at it. Yeah, but they say with this tr- signal system, the cars will move up both ways, one by one. That will mitigate the danger of people getting killed at the dangerous spot. But I think that is bound to hold up traffic with the uh, island school reopening soon and a new luxury car- apartment uh, being occupied, you know. So I think the traffic congestion problem will get worse. Over the and whole... City, I'm talking as well. All right, Mrs. Ip, yes, we'll have to leave it here for now. We're out of time. (laughs) Thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's uh, incoming Executive Council convener Regina Ip, who is also the chairwoman of the New People's Party. Also, many thanks to you for your emails and comments, and of course, to my co host James Ockenden and my producer Yuki. Now, here's the weather before we go. It will be fine, very hot during the day with highs of around 34 degrees in the urban areas and a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. Winds light to moderate southerlies and the very hot weather warning is now in effect. Right now it's 29 degrees, relative humidity 73%. The more people get vaccinated, the stronger we can fight the epidemic. The more people get vaccinated, the stronger we can fight the epidemic. Under the vaccine pass, persons without medical or other exemptions and age 